Hey there. I don't even want to say welcome. I just want to say spoilers because I'm allowed to say all the spoilers here. Spoiler warning. Spoilers for this episode for the entire A Court of Thrones and Roses series, the entire Throne of Glass series, and the entire Crescent City series. If you have not read those books and you intend to, skip this episode because it just feels so good to not have it spoiled. But if you A, don't care that it's spoiled, or B, you have read it, or C, you have no intention of reading it, stick around. We can talk about the fact that the very last line of House of Sky and Breath is, hello, Bryce Quinlan, my name is Free Sand. God, I have been holding that in for a long time. But no, we're not here to talk about that. We are here to talk about A Court of Thorns and Roses, the first book in the Akatar series, through the lens of all of the rest of Sarah J. Mess universe books. Because there are some just nuggets. There are some good, good pieces of multiverse information. There are just some good, feel-good moments of foreshadowing for Akamath and... Feyre and Rhysand's mating bond. I just, let's talk about it. I'm super excited. So I'm not going to give a plot retelling. You already know it if you're here. And if you haven't uh, listened to my thoughts on uh, the first Akatar book as a whole, go back and listen to the episode A of this and then come back here. But actually, please don't leave because I have just been waiting for this for months. The first thing I want to talk about is the fact that I tell every single person who is reading this, who I've recommended it to, many of them come to me and they're like, okay, is this going to end up being some Team Edward and Team Jacob situation? And I'm like, absolutely fucking not. It is not going to be that. I don't know a single person who still ships Tamlin and Feyre. If you are that person, please go to my TikTok, Kayla and PDX, or my Instagram, What's Her Fantasy Podcast, and tell me. I will not shame you. I am just wildly curious because after this book, I'm starting to turn. I remember when I was starting... Akamath, I wanted, I was like, oh, I'm going to have to wait a really long time for their wedding. So I clearly in my mind still wanted her to be with Tamlin, but there was some part of me that was really, really excited by the idea of Resand. So yeah, that's what I've just told everyone. I just love that moment where they think, oh, I'm going to have to choose and I'm going to be on a side. No, everyone's on the same side. It's Resand. And whether or not they still like Resand at the end of this series, I still do. Some people don't. That's neither here nor there. I would just say from the A Court of Thorns and Roses first book perspective, I was still iffy and then when I get into the next book it's it's very clear after I finished the series I went back and did a reread of actually I think it was after I finished Akamath I went back and uh, reread Akatar this is the first thing that stood out to me and I wept I straight up cried my eyes out when I read this line so this is on page 41 of the paperback version of uh, Court of Thorns and Roses I hadn't expected a heart-wrenching goodbye but I hadn't imagined this either this is right when Feyre is leaving and her sisters don't say anything or acknowledge her exit and her father pulls her aside and tells her that she was too good for that place don't ever come back, my father said, releasing my hands to shake me by the shoulders. Feyre, he stumbled over my name, his throat bobbing. You go somewhere new and you make a name for yourself. I have full body shivers. She she did. She literally became the high lady of the night court. She made a name for herself. Like that is the last thing. In my mind, I forget the part where she comes back at the end of this book and sees her dad. In my mind, she her dad says this to her. She leaves. And the next time she sees him is never again, because I don't think she sees him on the battle uh, with Highburn in Akor. In my mind, that could be very wrong. But the fact that he says you make a name for yourself, I, I that is that is this is page 41 of this entire series. It's 
It's beautiful. Can't live without it. Um, the next thing I have flagged is obviously the elephant in the room. It's the stay with the high lord. It's the best thing ever. The surreal is the greatest invention of all time. The surreal and the Rowan. <laughs> the surreal is to uh, Akatar as Rowan is to Throne of Glass. No, but the stay with the high lord, like that is just some good, good storytelling and like good leading the reader to believe one thing when it's going to unravel and be the next. Okay, so the next thing that I found super interesting, and I'm sure I, I'm not very thorough at this. There are some folks who it is there. They are doing the cauldron's work with pulling out all of these great theories and finding all of the connections. And please, please go watch their content because they are absolutely killing it. I think it's a happy hermit and a court of thorns and Rosie on TikTok. They are like the world's greatest. I am just a mere mortal uh, doing tragic retellings of some of these books and sharing my feelings. But I thought this was really interesting and I actually haven't seen this anywhere yet. But it is the pool of starlight that's in the spring court. And I was, this was something that I didn't catch on any of my rereads. But when I did my audio book last week, uh, preparing for this, Feyre says, this looks like starlight. And Tamlin responds, it is starlight. And I just find that so interesting with all of these you know, Night Court, Tamlin's family murdering Reese's mom and his sister. Why is there a pool of starlight in the spring court that Tamlin knows about? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I just thought that was very curious. And then obviously I have to mention the fact that in this book, Resand, the first line he ever says to Feyre is, there you are, I've been looking for you. It is, I mean, if I could get that tattooed over my entire body, I would. Honestly, sometimes when I'm like lost my keys or my phone in my house, I'll walk up to it like the most beautiful man they've ever seen. And I'll just be like, there you are. I've been looking for you. I've been looking for you for 500 years. You are my mate. I can't. Okay. Um, and then I just thought it was really interesting that the way that Sarah wrote, he was the most beautiful man she's ever seen because who who wouldn't believe from that moment that she would end up with Resand? I'm not sure. I mean, I didn't believe it at first, but I came along. There was actually a line when Resand shows up to the lunch with Lucian and Tamlin. God, I love him. The way that he just, his presence, there's something about him. Ugh. He's, I mean, uh, it's the reason. I'm no longer a blonde, a blonde lover. I am, I have gone to the dark side. But he says something about human trash, which I really don't like. And that, I was like, hmm, why did he say that? There's no like underlying foreshadowing with that. But when he asks Feyre for her name and he says, what's your name, love? Oh, I melted inside. He calls her love. I love when people, uh, I love love as a nickname. It's probably why London is my favorite city in the world. The next thing I have here is just, I'll say it from the get-go. I am Nesta. It's, she is me. I am her. It's the reason why I wept through the entirety of Silver flames and then had a mental breakdown after I finished it because I was confronted with all of these facets of myself that I uh, was afraid to look at. When there are moments that Nesta isn't the cruel sister that she is believed to be up until you find out the reasoning behind some of her trauma. I love those moments. And so in my reread, I never got this in my initial read, but in my reread, when you find out that Nesta went to find her and that just really stuck with me as she was doing the best that she could, I think. And I mean, she could have done better. Both her and Elaine could have done better, but um, people can grow and change and they're all fighting a battle. They're climbing a mountain. And oftentimes we don't see that in other people. I'm getting emotional. I've had too much wine. No, there's no such thing. Um, as she takes another sip. I'm just flying through these. This is actually a blast. I, maybe I'll do my normal episodes like this. <laughs> 
One of the things that I really liked about when Feyre and Reese started building their relationship and we know eventually that it ends up being their mates and they have this deep connection. But prior to that, Reese really goes out on a limb time and time again, not in public. Well, in public, he definitely does. But in private, like I think that his wings are such a so much of a reflection of how vulnerable he's allowing himself to be. And the fact that he really has shown them time and time again to her whether it's just a glimmer of them a flash of them or whether they're proudly standing behind his back there's a line here this is page 342 it said indeed it was still Rysand's f- <laughs> I'm <laughs> I try to say Rysand but Rysand is how I read it originally and in my mind that's who he is but I think he's all you know tell that to Manon I actually was able to change Manon in my mind I don't call her Manon anymore even though I did halfway through. I think it's something about when you're reading the book, if you're still reading the book, okay, oh, I have a story about Asriel. I'm gonna have to wait. I'll wait until the Mist and Fury uh, B episode to tell you about how I initially pictured Asriel and the deep, deep work that I had to do to unlearn what I pictured him as in my mind, which I can still picture in my mind's eye. But now, oh, he is a hottie, McCotterson. Um, But he was not at first. Um, Missed the line where they said that he was the most beautiful of the three bad boys. It says, Rhysand's face, uh, his powerful male body, but flaring out behind him were massive black membranous wings like a bat's, like the adders. He tucked them in neatly behind him, but a single claw at the apex of each peeked over his broad shoulders. Horrific, stunning, the face of a thousand nightmares and dreams. The way that she describes him, it is so blatant that there is something more than just this uh, mutually beneficial relationship when they're under the mountain. It is it is so apparent that they are so much more. And the talk about the bonds and the, you know, the connection and all that stuff. It's just, ugh, it's chef's kiss. It's so good. And yeah, she lets him in. He lets her in. They're more honest with each other, I think, than they are with anyone else. There's a part here that says, sadness flickered in those violent eyes. I wouldn't have noticed it if I had not felt it deep inside me. These are those moments of the foreshadowing of their mating bond. It's beautiful. And when I first read this book, I know that Tamlin briefly mentions that his parents were mated, but they, you know, mating bond is really rare. I just completely forgot that the mating bond even existed. And so when I found out in the second book that they were mates, it was such a surprise to me because I completely forgot about that concept. So Sarah did a great job of giving a nugget and then making you forget about that nugget until the right moment where it would be the most emotionally impactful. So kudos to Sarah on that. What else do I have in here? Uh, oh, I flagged this one um, about, about the three sisters. Um, I have a night court tattoo on my hand, uh, three stars for the emblem, but it also represents the three bat boys and it represents the three sisters and it represents the three Valkyries. So I just loved this moment when she was kind of going through what lever to pull when she couldn't read the riddle. She said three, three sisters crammed into a tidy cottage, hating each other until they choked on on it until it poisoned them because that was so negative for her experience and it really has turned around by the end of Silver Flames for the most part and so I just loved that little bit of foreshadowing not maybe not foreshadowing but a claim staked of where she was at that point in time and how she felt about her sisters hmm what else is in here okay so this is something that's interesting to me because I still don't understand it so maybe someone can help me understand it it's right after Reese gives Feyre Tamlin the beam of light to bring her back and it says Rhysand stepped forward bringing my shred of soul with him and I found Tamlin staring at me for what she gave Rhysand said we'll bestow what our predecessors have granted to few before he paused 
This makes us even, he added, and I felt the twinkle of his humor as he opened his hand and let the seed of light fall on me. This makes what even? Is it is is he saying it to Tamlin or is he saying it to Feyre? And I'm not sure which one. I think in my mind he's saying it to Feyre and this makes us even because I put you in this bargain. But I feel like he's only gave and gave and gave to her since she was under the mountain. So if anyone has the answer to that, uh, please please tell me because I'm wildly curious. Ooh, I love when there are references to the mating bond in here. I was pulled from sleep by something tugging at my middle, a thread deep inside. It's a mating bond. Your mates, the surreal will tell you so soon in the next book. It's not very soon. It's midway through the next book. I remember when I read the moment where he realizes that their mates, you know, you find out that he senses it in that moment right before he winnows away from under the mountain. And I just remember when I read it and I was like, that is weird. I've got to remember that because I you, sometimes you read like a foreshadowing thing and you're like, that's foreshadowing. And then your brain just immediately forgets it. That was one of those things where I was like, I don't want to forget that. That's got to be something. And it was. It was the moment that he knew. Oh my gosh. Okay, the last thing I have to say is I can't remember where it was in the book because I, I was listening on the audiobook. Apparently Amarantha's coat of arms is a sleeping dragon. So I'm wondering if this is a wyvern. And I know that there has been speculation that Highburn has wyverns. And that's where the, you know, that green slime incapacitating poison comes from. So I just, I was, I was on a flight to Amsterdam at the time and I was like half asleep and I heard a seal of a sleeping dragon and I, my eyes like bolted open and I was like, wait a minute, that has got to be something that has got to be a wyvern. Like there is no way that that is not that. So I don't know. I just literally wrote Amarantha's coat of arms is a sleeping dragon wyvern with like a thousand exclamation marks and question marks. Hybern has wyverns. And then I wrote word marks at the gate of Prithian. So I mean, obviously, we know that there's a multiverse. And we certainly know that the multiverse involves Lunathion. I don't know how to pronounce that city. Uh, Crescent City world. And we know that it involves the Akatar world. We also know from Aelin falling through the worlds in Throne of Glass that that world is also connected. And there's a thousand other, maybe not a thousand, but there's many, many other connections. That one was just so interesting and so early on. And I love finding those nuggets. And I can't wait to find more as I continue my reread of A Court of Thorns and Roses series. Thank you for letting me for the first time just unravel at anything without feeling like, oh, I can't say that to that person. Do you know how hard it is to tell someone after they read A Court of Thorns and Roses, the entire series that they need to read Crescent City when they say why? You can't tell them why. It's the same with this stuff. So thank you for listening as I run <laughs> run roughshed all over <laughs> my thoughts and feelings about A Court of Thorns and Roses through the lens of the rest of Sarah J. Mass's books. What were the things that stood out to you that were foreshadowing in the rest of the, either this series or in the Sarah J Mass multiverse. I want to know. Head on over to my Instagram, what's her fantasy podcast, or my TikTok, Kaylin PDX, and let me know. I will be there thanking the gods that I never, ever, ever have to read the first book of A Quarter Thorns and Roses ever again because, ugh, Tamlin. <laughs>